0: Okay, everyone, places and action.
1: I love the smell of napalm in the morning.
0: You talking to me? Here it looks like you boys
1: have seen a lot of action. You're going to need a bigger boat. Why so serious? I am serious, and don't call me sure.
2: This is a Cinema Plus podcast brought to you by More Movies. Hello,
0: and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Cinema Plus podcast. I'm Greg Fisher, and today I'm joined by evil genius Dave Roberts.
1: Dr. Evil. I didn't spend six years in evil medical school to be called Mr. Thank you very much.
0: As we talk about Christopher Nolan's latest film Tenet, shot predominantly with IMAX cameras, Nolan's 11th film sees a return to the spy genre, creating a world in which time can be inverted. Featuring an all-star cast which includes John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki and Kenneth Branagh, this exciting action-thriller has drawn parallels to James Bond and his previous outing Inception. Director of photography on this film was Hoyte Van Hoytema, who Nolan worked with previously on Interstellar and Dunkirk, the music this time provided by Ludwig Gurensen, which marks the first time Nolan has not collaborated with Hans Zimmer since working on The Prestige in 2006. After a one-month delay, the film has been rolled out in cinemas across the world. So Dave and I went along to see it at our local IMAX theatre. Before we get into it, here's a brief snippet of Christopher Nolan talking about the film.
1: I've always loved the spy genre. I grew up watching the James Bond films and, uh, you know, later on, the Bourne films and, you know, the Jean Le Carre and all of these these great um representations of of espionage in fiction, and the uh, escapist component to that, I think, is a big part of that. For me, cinematically, what the spy film always allowed was the idea of international travel, the idea of the glamour, being able to go places in the cinema that you'd never be able to go in real life, uh, and have access to all kinds of extraordinary situations that you get to enjoy by, by proxy. And that's very much what we tried to bring to Tenet, but we tried to do it with an added science fiction component. We try to do it with um, a concept that would allow audiences to approach this in, in a fresh way. Uh, for me, Tenet really is about taking the, uh, the elements of, of spy fiction, and, and particularly cinematic you know, spy fiction, and having, having new reason to look at them in a different way. Taking them and turning them on their heads, really.
0: Okay, so last night we went to see Tenet on an IMAX screen uh, what do we think, Dave?
2: Wow. <laughs> well, you know, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, kind of was very looking forward to it anyway, so I was kind of expecting it to be brilliant. I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fanboy, as you know. Yeah, so You do love it. I, I had high expectations anyway going into it and uh, totally delivered on those expectations, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible experience of a film to watch something that i'm really glad that we went to see on the imax screen for one uh, and of course to the cinema i mean you know it's uncertain times and i think you know we're lucky enough that we went on a quiet night on a monday night we obviously were observing social distancing we had our masks for for areas where we felt we needed to wear the masks and there was hand sanitizer available, and I mean, it it didn't feel too full to me at first. We were on our own in there completely, weren't we? And then it then it filled up a bit. But um, yeah, it is a film to see on the big screen. I understand people saying they don't they don't feel safe enough to go yet, and that's completely understandable. But I think we were, like I say, we were lucky enough. We went to a place where it just wasn't so busy, and we were able to have a pleasant experience, a comfortable experience watching it.
2: Yeah, I think it's totally understandable. People obviously have their reservations about going out, and uh, of course, as you say, it's totally understandable. But I think they did a really great job of managing the situation as best as you could have, ever could. There was great space in between things. Things were organised correctly. Sure. Just the correct uh, stuff in place. It was uh,
0: Good job, Odeon. Odeon Cinemas. Very good job. Uh, which was the one we went to. But yeah, I mean, what a film. It, it, it looked absolutely incredible on, uh, on an IMAX screen. It's that first watch as well. And when you go and see a film like this that's got so much in it, really, it's kind of like a dream in a way. You remember bits of it, but the further away you get from it, the more the, the gaps appear in your memory and you can't wait to watch it again, you know?
2: absolutely you know it is one of them films that it was well worth watching on on the IMAX as all Nolan's films are he is such a specialist in that arena and I think uh, along with
0: hasn't he done all of his films in IMAX since since the Dark Knight films
2: Pretty much all of them. I mean, it's they're not 100% IMAX, but they're very heavily IMAX. he, he used it in combination with 70mm in this yeah. particular instance. But um, it's big. It's they're huge films um, visually. Uh, you know, and along with uh, Hoyt Van Hoytema, is his new cinematographer. Um, yeah, not, Will, the last not few Wally Fister anymore. No, um, I think Hoyt's done Dunkirk with him. Uh, yeah, that's right. And I'm yeah. not sure the one, but maybe Interstellar as well. But it, it seems to have moved on a, a slight bit. Um, and, I've, you know, of course, in this one, the music's uh, Ludwig-Gohansson instead of um, Hans Zimmer. Zimmer from previous stuff. So it's a bit of a move in the crew. And um, certainly
0: an argument for auteur theory there as well, because personally, I do not feel that much of a change You know, some with some directors that like to give their DOP real free range to do their to do their own vision, then you might see a massive change. But I get the feeling um, there is a bit more auto stuff going on with Nolan because it, you know, even the soundtrack as well. It was still very much in keeping with what we've seen from him before.
2: I think so. I think it's very much his vision, and he works with people who can enable his vision. Sure. Um, who using the most technicians really,
0: life. and and technically yeah. perfect job that they did as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can't fault but it. As you were saying, you know, you're walking, you, you know, walk I sit down to watch, to watch a film like this, and it is breathtaking the uh, the scope the the sheer picture you're watching. It is. Absolutely mesmerising. It is like watching, um, you know, one of those old kind of epics, uh, you know, Panavision kind of uh, Cinerama-type things, you yeah. know, something like Ben-Hur and things like that. You, it's like watching that kind That's of thing. Our modern just version of the IMAX, isn't it? It is, and you, and you watch with awe at the absolute sheer scale, but the beauty that is able to be brought through that, because obviously it could be done poorly, but um, here it is... It's magnificent to view um, and used correctly you know in each particular scene you know he uh, manages to use those big cameras in, a, in really unique ways mm,
0: really pushing the boundaries. I mean it's you can tell he worked a long time on this. when you know the last few movies, as you know we talked about it before, Interstellar is not my favorite of his films although I do respect it and I do like it. It's just not my favourite Nolan film. And then um, there's Dunkirk, which, I, again, I enjoyed, but that was very much a departure. A, a welcome one in terms of what Nolan usually does because it was interesting to see him tackle a, a, a Second World War story and a particularly a British Second World War story. Um, Absolutely. Which was, which was great. But this tenet, in a sense, is a return to form. It's a return to what he does best. Uh, we've seen it with Inception, we've seen it with Memento. I can't wait to see it again because there's so much now that I'm thinking, God, you know, uh, I wonder what that was about. I'd like to watch that again. You know, like I was saying to you yesterday, it it raises more questions once you have seen it and you're thinking, gosh, you know, can't wait for a second view.
2: Yeah, I think this is a film for him that takes, I think, the kind of scale that he achieved with things like... um, interstellar and um dunkirk it takes the the more kind of convoluted um plot journey that you would find in something like memento and combines it with the kind of ingenious techniques of something like inception Mm -hmm. and and kind of grabs them together it's kind of and still manages
0: to do do something new with all with all of that oh absolutely it's all those ingredients from those films and 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 so it's got him stamped all over it but he has done something very new here very ambitious definitely treading a fine line between being too convoluted and and at the same time still being a coherent story that yeah, your every man can follow as we were talking about earlier there is some debate as to um, you know how good he is as a storyteller because some people were feeling like it was just that bit too complicated what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I can see where some people come from um, in that opinion. Um, I've come across that opinion before with Inception. I've known people were too confused by that. But I always think I I watched it, and although there's moments where you're kind of wondering, I wonder how these link together, I think by the end the plot is there and it's understandable. Do you want to go back and discover more? Of course, because there's loads of questions and that to me is the sign of great cinema that you come out with yeah. more questions than you went in with.
0: Definitely.
2: But it's not a film that's going to hand you the plot on the plate. And, and that is what Nolan specializes in, in yeah. nice complex stories. But I think it is tied enough in its standard plot line. As we've previously discussed about inception, it, it ties up on its own, but yeah. you can down further if you want to. Well, I'd you know? say,
0: yeah, there's a lot of similarities with this and Inception for those exact reasons. And although I do acknowledge that you do have to pay attention and it is something that you would get lost easily if you didn't follow it closely, having said that, if you just weren't disposed to following this sort of stuff too intently and just wanted to go for the spectacle and enjoy the ride – I don't think you'd walk away feeling like, oh, what was all that about? Yeah, you might have questions, but I still th- imagine, like I said about Inception when we talked about that in our podcast, uh, I, th- I still feel like you could enjoy it without completely understanding it, especially on first viewing. You know, you could you could walk away from that and go, well, I didn't understand half of that, but it was good. It was good fun.
2: Yeah, because I think if you took it as just a kind of base storyline, it's like some guys are after some things from a baddie and they've got to go get it there's a big f- fight going on they manage to do it in the end and they walk away pretty That's much a yeah. simple analogy of it you yeah. know yeah. but of course it's layered with more complex theories around it's, that
0: the thing is as well people complain about oh it's too convoluted or it's hard to understand and it's uh you know it's too complex for your average viewer but these are the same people that when presented with something completely... Simple to follow and understand. They say it's, it's you know, it's completely predictable. It's and, rubbish and yeah. boring. And yeah, so you know, it, it seems to be that the people that really have a an investment in complaining about these films, it's usually because that's that's what they do. You know, that's what their job is—in a way—to pick holes in everything. Whereas yeah, if, I, you, I, if you're a bit more in the middle. Like, like we tend to be, then,
2: you know. I think there's an audience split, isn't there? Because there's the people who are quite content to watch really basic cinema and fine if that's what you're into. There's, sure, there's, there's no stuff complaining to be said
0: for that as well. I can enjoy something that's completely, you know, basic, something, you know, like a cannonball run. If yeah. We're going to have a race across the country. There's loads of colourful characters. It's basically a, a live-action Wacky Races and that's it that yeah. is it Simple, apart from fun. you know this this little bit and that little bit but i, I, I still enjoy it every time there's still other elements to be enjoyed about it the action the stars in it the acting the the gags and i think you, you can apply the same sort of thing to a more complex piece like this where you can say maybe we didn't understand every little nook and cranny but goddamn, the special effects were amazing uh Robert Pattinson was really cool in it, you know, uh, blah, 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 whatever, you know, whatever your thing is, there's still a lot to be enjoyed here.
2: Yeah, and I think I agree with, um, it's a thing that Mark Commode always uh, mentions, that it's nice that Nolan treats his audience as is, as if they're as intelligent as he is. He mm-hmm. doesn't talk down to his audience. He, he respects the fact that they... Can think and, and have ideas and and that's what I like, it's not like he's just going to make a film and gone, I'm going to have to explain to you everything that's going on oh, if know. he
0: did it would be totally annoying, I mean you and I have talked yeah. about this before in terms again of Inception when we said he doesn't really explain what that machine, how it works and it hooks them all up to the same dream you don't need to know, they all plug into it, intravenous and they're ready to go well it's the kind of the same in this, there's a little bit more yeah. explanation to it and there's you know they skim over the um the physics of it all but he also treats his audience with respect in that sense that yes we'll follow it and we'll know what's going on kind of but we don't need to know the details because it's a film we want an adventure yeah. we want to get on with the fun and the action and the romance and the and the last we don't want to sit there for an hour and a half and have some boffin explained to us the metaphysics involved in you know all of these i think
2: that's it i think there's certain people who are too obsessed with having uh, exposition to everything that everything's explained. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always the thing you were taught at school. Don't get bogged down in exposition because you don't need to explain every single thing, just accept it and move on because you're joining in the middle of a tale in someone's life. You
0: just got to tell the story. You got to get on and tell the story. And uh, he has his devices and that's good enough. They're cornerstones for each part of of the script that we can follow and we can enjoy. And you know, the the minor details only g bog you down, really. If anything, yeah. there's you know, there's there's he packs so much into this film, so many little intricacies that I mean that that they're there for the fans like us, for the people that are gonna watch this film ten times, fifteen times, twenty times. There's so many little biddies in there that will keep us going as nerds for a long time. But if you just went to see this film once as an experience in the cinema and that was it, that was the only time you're going to see it, you'd still have a great time. you still get your money's worth.
2: Absolutely. As I said coming out, you know, there was all that talk, um, you know, last year about uh, Nolan perhaps doing a Bond film. And to me, this is his Bond film. This is... Yeah. His kind of answer to that kind of genre to me, uh, yeah, and, and doing he, it in a really unique. This way. is
0: a Nolan Bond film, and John David Washington is Bond, and an yeah. absolutely brilliant Bond. He would make because he plays that the role is is only known as the protagonist in it. Funnily enough, but um, he is a perfect protagonist. He's so cool in this. He's such a cool customer, and he's also got that sort of edge. I mean. He can handle himself with the dialogue and the intricacies, and he's got style, and he's got a lot of grace, but he's also got this this very, very subtle comedy edge that's got this kind of little sarcastic wit to him that I find is is hilarious, really. It really yeah. gives him a human edge. Uh, he was obviously great with all the action and the rest of it, and he looked great in the suits and everything, but just that little comedy edge you know I always felt Harrison Ford did it well where you can you can be the big action guy but you always have a moment of v- vulnerability and he'd often put um, a bit of comedy in with that so at the same time as the characters in peril he's also got this sense of humor about it and that kind of makes you yeah. dear to him even more so and um, I thought he was
2: lovely brilliant. depth lovely depth to the performance I think and um, really st- st- Stole the show um, quite a lot, and yeah. I'm very impressed. I haven't really seen him in much else, if I'm well, I know Black, he's this. Black uh,
0: Klansman, um the uh, Spike Lee joint, uh, he was excellent in that. He plays the lead role in that. Really, really good. Um, I haven't seen him in a hell of a lot of other stuff yet either.
2: But i guess in his in uh, a, stock in, is rising at the minute.
0: Well, I've never seen um, Elizabeth Debicki in anything before now either.
2: And she was excellent
0: no. as as a, as Cat. She was really good. She in was this. brilliant. Yeah. Um, Pattinson. I've seen a few more bits about of Pattinson, but only in recent years. I've only really watched Robert Pattinson in the more recent stuff: The Lighthouse, um, Good Time, the uh, Safti Brothers film. Um, yes, yeah, so I need to get to watching them. Oh, I've heard uh, great things about him. Oh, brilliant, brilliant film. Um, but yeah, brilliant films, both of them, I should say. But, I mean, I'm not really... I, I think he was in the Harry Potters, wasn't he? Or one of the Harry Potters when he was young. And he was obviously in the Twilight Saga. But I yeah. never, never watched any of those. So I'm only really getting to see his work now. Um, but they, all, I think those, that's what all those those three youngsters there were excellent in it. Just excellent.
2: They were. And I think the whole thing with Patterson is he's come on this journey now, hasn't he? From those kind of silly films in his younger years. The kind of franchise uh, things that that uh, made him and now he's doing these more serious well talking uh, of fran- and, uh, franchise
0: stuff though he's heading back to a franchise now he's the new Batman so uh, yes
2: uh, but a bit more adult obviously um, than than what he was doing before I tell I you
0: though talking of stealing the show for me the show stopper was Kenneth Branagh as the,
2: as the villain absolutely Andre
0: Sator, what a great performance! What a
2: performance! Oh. He just
0: brought so much to it. He just so much experience and and years and years of excellent acting built up in him that he was just all over this role. Do you know that oh, bit where he was, where she starts? You know when he takes her into that kind of warehouse place at the docks and all those guns are on the table, and she she pulls the piece on him. You know just before that, and he turns around and he does that. Ah, I'm a the whole you know, thing, I'm a yeah. tiger, and the minute you stop admiring a tiger, it turns. I just thought, look at this guy. This is a guy who's played Hamlet. This is a guy who's played Iago, Henry V. All of these great, great Shakespearean characters of gravitas, and all of that brought down to this like son of a Russian oligarch character.
2: Wow! But that moment was made it so real. That moment was so Shakespearean, though wasn't it? The tiger it was, kind of scene. It, it was reminded
0: like, me of the way intense,
2: kind he, he of, turned into wow. a tiger.
0: From a calm, yeah. collected sort of, oh just don't want to even get with that fantastic. Because that's his whole thing about accent. this pulse. The <laughs> character's got this thing about you know you never. I mean, pulse never goes over a certain um, yeah. beats per minute, and then he just turns around and he's raging for a second. It's like wow, <laughs> he's only a seen small a guy, years. and she is so tall. She was towering above him, but as soon as he turned oh, yeah. around in a rage, he, he was the the power dynamic just changed, you know, and it's like wow.
2: And, you, you know, because you know, I've seen some criticism of his, um, his accent and stuff in it, but I thought it yeah, was I seen that. I remarkable.
0: The same thing was said of Robert Pattinson's accent in The King because he played the French, the Dauphin, uh, yeah, the Dauphine, the French uh, sort of prince. Oh, yeah, the Dauphin, yeah. Dauphin, thank you. And um, I thought he was good. I thought he did a great job of it. But people like the same same bunch again. They'll just criticise anything. See that you know anything. Yeah, I mean for shame, me, barely. a bad accent was Gary Oldman's German accent in that what was that tax haven film we watched with uh, Meryl Streep? Oh, I can't remember what oh, it's called. Uh, uh, yeah, that was a Netflix j- job as well. Um, but. Gary Oldman's German accent in that was grating. It really annoyed me because it, it was like terrible. it was like a Peter Sellers. It was like ah oh, yes, this is very uh, comical oh. accent, you know, really <laughs> overstated and and just just a bit wrong. Like, <laughs> but I thought um, Branner in this was subtle. Yeah, I mean he's a Russian bad simple. guy. That's how he would sound. He would have this Russian accent. It wasn't just I, like, I didn't like think a, was a yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he over it. Well, this is the interesting thing as well. I thought he, it was, in a way, it was Nolan's Britishness having a stab at the Russians, um, you know, talking of political economy of the film. Um, mm. Because these kind of mega-rich Russians, like, you know, Abramovich or whoever, you know, these kind of guys, these oligarchs, some of them are really nasty uh, gangsters, do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, in a sense, in that way, it was a very good choice to have that kind of archetype as the bad guy, because we can all join in in disliking what the, you know, these shady, these kind of shady Russian are, yeah. characters are up to when people are getting poisoned left, right and centre by their government and stuff. You know, it's, they're still, in a sense, have got, got a shady reputation.
2: I think as well, it's that kind of, classic archetype of uh cinema from a you know from a time gone by which is easy to to get into yeah um and you know when you're trying to tell a complicated story it's a it's a quick way to go this is, this is the bad guy because he's russian you know well um, in the sense of you,
0: you likened it to james bond and in that way it's kind of like yeah. if it is james bond in a way he's james bond is american and in a way, you know. Um, like I said, John David Washington being the being the protagonist. Then you've got like Felix lighter character, like his 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 um, sidekick or his helper, also uh, so to speak. It would be Robert Panson. Then you've got the other guy who was like um, I think it was Aaron Taylor Johnson, wasn't it? Um, playing Ives. I didn't actually know until afterwards. I looked at the cast afterwards, and it was like, oh, that was Aaron Taylor Johnson. You know the beard the yeah. at the end. But um, but yeah. Ken Branagh being the, the Russian, of course, the Russian bad guy. It's kind of works with your Bond analogy. By the way, just as a little aside, that Meryl Streep film with the terrible Gary Oldman accent was called The Lord and Dramat.
2: That's it. I just oh wanted dear wanted to I had to God. look that
0: up because it was uh, bugging me. I couldn't remember. But great film, but that accent just deserves a bloody razzie. It was awful.
2: Yeah. Terrible. Have a word with yourself, um, Gary
0: Oldman. What are you doing?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird, actually, because you know, Gary Oldman's go to, goes, one of my favourites. Oh, I love but, him. Uh, I
0: absolutely adore him, but that was a terrible accent. He needs, it was terrible, he needs yeah. You need to do more of a Ken Branagh and just do it solely. But some people hate Kenneth Branagh, see? But he's always yeah. been a divisive character for some reason. Some people, I think, I felt he was a bit maybe a bit pompous or a little bit too, um, you know aloof or a bit of a lovey he had a reputation for it for in the past but god damn it i always respected him for being such a great actor in terms of you know what he hasn't done for shakespeare for my generation when yeah. when he remade a lot of that stuff in the in the 90s there it was you know you, you got to respect the guy his hamlet is the full play so you know this is a guy who was directed and adapted one of the greatest Shakespeare plays. Done his own spin on it as well because it was it was set in a kind of Prussian dressage, you know, and that sort of time yeah. period. And he did the full full shebang, which is like four hours long, almost.
2: Yeah, you know, and just, it's mesmerizing. It
0: is. It's it's fantastic. And it, and when he played Iago opposite um, Lawrence Fishburne's Othello, that is a quintessential performance. Really, really good uh, uh, Shakespearean screen performance. So very good classic So acting, I am over yeah. the moon in a sense That uh, a British director like Chris Nolan Is Yes he's still using Michael Caine He's obviously you know who is a British institution And it's nice that he still gets these little bit parts uh, He did a good turn In this didn't he as a Sir Michael but, uh, yeah. but It's great To see Kenneth Branner in these films because uh, he was in, because he obviously Dunkirk, played a great part
2: in Dunkirk as well. Yeah, I was, that's the. Um, I think
0: that was the first Nolan film he was in, and I was overjoyed to see him in it. I thought, oh, Ken Branagh, brilliant! Yeah, and he, he played his bit, and he was very good. But in this, he had the meaty role. He had the bad guy, you know. He was. Yeah, he, he got. He, a it was great to get he, into it, you know, when he beats that he guy to, to, the scenery to, in to death with the gold bar, you know. that's yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, it's just savage, isn't it? It's like really sort of shows that. Really rough side of his uh, persona. Well, that's
2: something we talked about in terms of uh, the violence of the movie. That of uh, yeah, of course, uh, we were talking that you know someone like Tarantino does the kind of visual it. violence. He loves yeah, it. And yeah indulges it's in almost
0: it. like an art form for him.
2: And yet, Nolan is obviously quite restrained in the violence. It's there, but it's, it's uh, m- much
0: more British in that way. Because even when yeah. Like in restrained. Inception, when you've got a huge gun battle going on, there's not a load of squibs going off. If somebody gets shot, no. they just drop to the floor. You don't see a head come apart or a big squib no. going off like you would with Tarantino in the great sort of tradition of the Sam Peckinpah kind of violence, you know, when slow motion squibs exploding. Um, Nolan doesn't, he's never done that. Even if you think no. about the, his most famous, why so serious scene, when he slits that guy's throat you don't see it it's no, all implied but it's implied it,
2: but what it plays in your head cuz the oh yeah and I, that's, I think what, particularly, that's what you
0: said it's more powerful that way and i totally agree
2: it is and i think particularly the sound design works works really well because yeah, there's yeah. moments that's in like this that's like a cue the, it's a
0: cue to it yeah and it there's does moments that in this that, where in that i that moment was, with the joker as well and he says why is so serious and it cuts away and you see someone's reaction but the sounds do dum dum And you know that that's that's in a sense that's yeah that's the uh, motion of him slicing the guy's throat. You don't have to see it, but you feel it. You feel it through the the other the other guy's reaction shot. It's like oof.
2: Because there's moments in this where I'm sitting there, you know, and you know you don't you're not seeing anything, but you're wincing and you're going oof, you know. There was was a moment like that, particularly
0: at the start where the guy's extracting his teeth. Oh yeah, but you never see it. You never see a no. tooth getting extracted like you would in some, some other sick. You'd see this like, oh, you've actually seen the roots come out of the gums there. But this <laughs> is like, this was more like, no, it spares you it, but it's all implied and it's done in such a way that, oh, God, yeah, you feel it. You have to use your own imagination and therefore it's, 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 twice, it's, it's twice as bad <laughs> yeah. as in some ways. But I respect him for that. Uh, obviously, we were talking about the fact that that will keep the. Age certificate down, so more people will be able yeah. to go and see it, and that's a good, it's a smart choice in that way to do that. Um, and, it, Absolutely. and it doesn't, it doesn't put that emphasis on the violence that someone like Tarantino does, because Tarantino is telling a story, and then you know, however, it, it always ends in a bloodbath with Tarantino, and that becomes part of it in a sense. We're looking forward to the bloodbath with Tarantino because we know he's going to do it better than anyone does it. If you're gonna go and see yeah. a bloodbath, go and see a Tarantino. You know that you'll get a, a, almost an artistic rendering of the red mist flying everywhere and blood splattering the walls. He loves it, but with Nolan, he's just not interested in that.
2: And it's really powerful for it. Yeah, um, really impressed as well. I. At- you know, uh, as we've talked before, that he, he's not a man for CGI. He's not a man for um, post-processing. He likes to shoot in camera as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, there's only about two 400 shots or something like that in this that are actually processed in that way. So a lot of it's done yeah, for real. Yeah, what
0: that thing that was said? We read the other week, it said uh, there was more CGI in, he said there'd be more CGI in your standard rom-com than there is yeah. in, in Tenet. And and yeah, which is
2: remarkable for what you're seeing on screen. All these cars flying air everywhere, well, the explosions, yeah, things reversing.
0: It's all that. I to be honest with this one though, I felt it was a more traditional film in that sense because there was tons of extras at the end, and that they had that huge old like abandoned. It's supposed to be an abandoned Soviet uh, industrial village, wasn't it? Industrial town. Yeah, uh, but it's in it's it's sort of like a uh, barren deserted landscape that looks like an old mine, doesn't it? You know, an old sort of, uh some sort of mine complex, like a quarry there and stuff. And anyway, they, they blow ev- the shit out of everything. They're shooting stuff. They've got helicopters. They've got hundreds of extras running about. I didn't really feel like there was anything in this film that that required any CGI, and that may be why no. it was down. Whereas in the past, things like, Well, even with Inception, there was CGI in that. When the city's bending over itself and stuff, you you kinda need to use some sort of computer generated graphics. No change in the matter, yeah. And he did it when they did it, the use of it was brilliant. And I'm sure the same in this it was with this film here, but I felt like it was a kind of film that there just wasn't that much in it that needed any CGI. It was it was traditional action in a way like you said car chases and explosions and stunts jumping off buildings jumping back onto them and I mean that bungee scene that was that was cool because you've never seen that before you never seen anyone bungee onto a building oh,
2: upwards yeah it was stunning and that's perfectly
0: uh, goes along with the film that everything's inverted in a way so yeah whereas we usually jump off a building with a bungee rope attached instead they were firing the bungee rope up and then getting elasticated up to the Seventh floor or something, but
2: yeah, good fun. And the car, the car sequence for me was like that was the pied de resistance where when that um, was happening because I mean I as I've said before I love car chases and that's this probably done, where
0: where the CGI was done if anywhere.
2: Yeah, and I mean, A lot but it was there's obviously the traditional elements of it, and it was so gritty all the way through but when they came back to it obviously when they go back through the inversion process that's the moment i was like that's where the film, this is clever
0: it comes to a head when they have that uh motorway chase and then that leads to them being um uh, taken down to the docks and stuff like that and it's yeah. that's where it's and they find out about the algorithm machine and that's where it, that's where it started to get like oh hang on what's going on here Need to pay attention now because this is the important stuff, and there's two lots of them, and they're all passing through this machine one way or another. It reminded me of the fly. Do you remember the fly? He's got that two modules, and he goes in yes. one. And he's supposed to transmute and come out the other, but a fly goes into one of them by accident, and de- yeah. Well, the yeah. <laughs> well, it was kind of it was kind of like that, wasn't it? That, um, it was. He was, you know, you go in one side and come out the other. It was really simple. Um, device in that sense you know it know, didn't go into it too much you didn't see, it's not like star trek where you see them disappear into a, a starry haze and then reappear it was just going one door come out the other and you're inverted
2: what i love as well is um Having had a chance now after watching it to obviously read up on, on some stuff about the film is um, the clever details that are used because I think we were saying how the lighting was really beautiful in the film, uh, especially in the... Uh, the red and the, the blue. The reds and the blues. And apparently, um, I can't remember which way around it is exactly, but if that's red something is to do with... moving
0: forward our way, I think, and then blue is, is blue the version. Because if you think at the end, John David Washington was on the team with the reds. And he was in the standard, um, standard timeline, so to speak. Yeah, and it was Pattinson's character with the blue that kept. Uh, he was on the inverted team.
2: But so, apparently, uh, that's an actual thing in light spectrums, where stuff going uh, from left to right in linear fashion is is red, and um, when you have yeah. it going back the other way, in fractally, it's blue. So it's a real. Hey. Science and this again it. goes
0: back to the red pill or the blue pill, and it's the same. That's the same influence. Same thing, on that. yeah. In a it's sense, genius, it's, the really. co- it's the coloured version of black and white. Yeah, I know that sounds a bit like
2: what the but heck the is invasion this talking it's the about. Invasion, but isn't that's
0: it? that's that's what it is. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the one way or the other. ACDC sort of thing, you know. And I love. But uh, direct
2: current will kill you. Don't put your finger in the socket, kids. <laughs> But um, I I love the idea of inversion, and I, I I um you know going into the film not knowing much about it, I didn't even uh you know because uh, the trailer didn't give much away in the the first trailer, uh, yeah. and it was just a, quite an exciting to find out what it is. And it, it was gave, only just, when it gave
0: you a taste, you know, yeah, of what was to come. You think, great, I don't know what this is, but it looks very Nolan.
2: But then realizing and that's all the trailer uh, should
0: do. I was going to say, you know, that's all the trailer should do.
2: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Give too much away. Um, but when you'd mentioned just before we went in, oh, yes, it's a, a palindrome, I was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's really clever, genius. And that, that starts, your, obviously, your brain ticking as you go through the film. And, and what then, was even, um,
0: even more so is it's a palindrome, but it's also the word ten. Ten. Both ways, meeting in the middle. And that was the real clever part once you see the film that –
2: the last it 10 was, minutes. You know, that
0: that last 10 minutes, and it was yeah. in almost in real time, 10 minutes one way and 10 minutes the other way, and they meet in the middle, and it's kind of like, oh, my God, that is that is clever.
2: <laughs> it's but then it's to real
0: smarty-pants cinema.
2: But then to find out um, that one of the kind of bases for the um, film, really, one of the key f- influences was this thing called the Sator Square, which is a, a, a Latin block um, of five-by-five five letters. And the right. words are Sator, um, Arepo, Tenet, Opera, Rotus. So oh Sator, yeah, Rotus
0: is backwards. Sator backwards. And and the thing thing is, Kenneth Branagh's character was called Sator.
2: Sator exactly. Arepo was the art dealer who it was, faked yeah. it. The opera house, and then Rotus is the shipping company, and where the where they go to the docking bay, and it's all a palindrome. And you're like, you clever little. yeah it's a headbender
0: these are the things you see when we watch it again these are the things we'll be gleaning from it and we'll be going oh yeah yeah because there was so much going on that i was happy to just kind of go along with the ride and think well that's for next time that's for next time because you have little questions because i have things like hang on if that's happening why is he driving forward there then why's what's that and you think gotta let it go don't concentrate on the small details too much now enjoy the ride and come back to it afterwards if you really want to do a deep dive
2: yeah because i think the moment that happened for me was when they went back with uh with uh cats to take her to the um docking bay the whole thing there's the ambulance drivers and and that whole sequence plays out which was amazing that he's fighting himself Mm. um uh, you could see that it, coming
0: after a while, but it was still satisfying that that's what was Oh, going
2: really out, satisfying. I actually thought, though, um we were I mentioned afterwards that Robert Patterson's character Neil, when he, the helmet comes off the character, I actually thought that was going to be himself, Patterson's character, and it, that would be the so way he would I, die. So did I. Uh, when,
0: when it happened at the start, because it doesn't show you who,
2: who, it is. Who,
0: it, who he's looking at, the look on his face, I thought to myself that these two guys, it's going to be them two.
2: And I thought that and was didn't I thought, it was um, just
0: the protagonist, but
2: but I thought that was, that was so clever because it. when
0: he runs into the machine and he comes out the other side, that's like wow. Because when it happens the first time, it, they both happen at the same time.
2: I, I also thought like because obviously they'd said if you see face to face, you'll that's your annihilation. You, you can't see face to face. That's when I thought, oh, he sees himself. Is that going to be the end of that character? That's the way they're going to write him out of the film, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Which obviously isn't the right well, went. Well, one
0: bit though, he said to him, Don't, if you encounter your other self, there's that whole um, paradox that if you, you know, the, the particles will go crazy if you sort of touch yeah. one another. And then afterwards, he had a fight with himself and none of that happened. So it was kind of like, oh, well, okay.
2: You let that go, though. And there was, <laughs> a, yeah,
0: exactly. There's certain bits you have to let go, and there was one moment when he was inverted, and he ran through about three corridors without his oxygen mask on, and I thought, "Oh, come on!" Because <laughs> <That would've, laughs> you know you, they couldn't breathe any of the air once inverted, could they? And he did get his mask back on, but I thought, "Well, you know, you got like you said, you got to let these things go. You, you're there to enjoy it."
2: <laughs> exactly. But as they came out and they saw themselves coming in, didn't they um, in the first place? Um off of the plane with the gurney and i thought yeah. oh yes they're in the yeah. scene twice and that's the moment i went i've got to it's watch it's getting this again like to back see to the, where the future else they kind are.
0: of territory you know back yeah. to the future too when he's running about the high school again and he sees original marty in the hallways and the, and all that happening with his mom and dad and biff all from a different angle and it's I used to love that about Back to the
2: Future. Though. Yeah. It
0: was they really played with the timeline It's like, oh, you're going back again, so you're going to be there twice, and it it got like that with this, and it have to in that sense. That uh,
2: which know. made me think I got to watch it again just to see where else they appear in the film on the in the same time. that You haven't. Oh noticed, well, this is know. it. There's
0: going to be so many moments of oh look, yeah, oh wow, loads of stuff we didn't take in.
2: You can't take it was so in the first time. It was so Doctor Who in that sense for me, which I loved because <laughs> being a massive fan of it.
0: I thought you were going to say twilight zone (laughs) it is though isn't it it's that kind of subject matter where it's like what if what if you were in a world where somebody invented a machine that inverted time you know and that's away we go and the
2: boundaries were only that of the imagination
0: (laughs) yeah an incredible film an incredible film
2: so here we go then Mm -hmm. the the big theory out of it which I mentioned when I came, we came out uh, that clicked in my head as we finished the film uh, I sat with my jaw hitting the floor for a couple of minutes um, do you reckon as the theory going around the internet says um, that Robert Patterson's character Neil is the kid Max
0: I don't think so no but I wouldn't rule it out either I don't vehemently think it wasn't so, and if it proved to be it was so, then, oh, wow, yeah, well, look at that. Because I mean, the theory did, I round just, is... I just don't think it... I, go on, then, you t- explain it to me, I'll see it,
2: So, the, So, you I it's mean, w- when it finishes, it's, it's because the scenes were so close together, of him, him saying, uh, uh, we'll meet again, you know, it's the end of my story, but it's only the beginning of yours, and, you you know, we're going to meet again, mm. you know, but it'll be a kind of past version of myself yeah. um, and obviously then it plays out and he kills the the Indian lady and all that in the in the car mm-hmm. um, and then obviously the last scene is, is him as he stares at him and it was the blonde hair that then clicked in my head of uh, you know kind of a similar haircut so the theory going around as well is that Max obviously is short for Maximilian yeah. If you reverse the last four letters of Maximilian, oh god, that's Neil.
0: No, this is no, Dad. If anything, now I'm even further away from thinking. <laughs> so, because, because that I is, it, but I don't know if it works. Oh, that's too much with the Maximilian. Name. That's like clutching. They're really reaching, on that. and to just say, "Well, he's got blonde hair, and he's got blonde hair." It's like, oh, oh, come on! But I think I you, know, like talking, but, little, you know people like to do these little things, you know, but. You know, I think it's got just as much validity to say, is that little boy actually Bruce Wayne? Ooh. Which, of course, we know he isn't. But
2: um, there's but uh, is that whole know, thing of um, the, the one question I kind of had in it was how ageing works in it, because it's never really touched upon, you know, uh, if they're back and forth and jumping between them, how, how, if they can age or whatnot, you know.
0: I felt like it didn't really need to have any of that and I thought it was a really, no, self-contained, not really self-contained film in the sense that the wider story or the wider universe of that film is unimportant because the only thing that's important is that protagonist's story and it's, it is a closed loop and it is so succinctly done and cleverly put together. They should never make a sequel. They should never touch it again. It should just be a standalone and one that goes in that... That canon of of great um, original work by Nolan, like I say, it'll, that'll be up there on the shelf next to Inception. As in, you know, you couldn't really pigeonhole them to a genre, but they—if you wanted to see two films that were similar to each other, or at least to some ass, to some degree—then, you know,
2: totally agree. These two. I think, I think uh, you know, because obviously people go, well, oh, could, you could have sequels and stuff. I don't think, you know, this is a film that works you perfectly could. on its own. We
0: said it ourselves. You totally could. You could have that whole story, but I don't think you should. I think it no. should just be a self-contained piece. And someone like Nolan, he's good enough to go away and dream something else up that yeah. also would fit into this unique auteur genre of his, you know. Um, keep just doing that. Keep playing on it. Keep, keep expanding on... The idea of time and playing with it because he's done it in so many ways and, and he he keeps coming up with original stuff. He, and I feel he's maturing as a filmmaker. One thing we haven't talked about that we did mention as well is uh, similarly to the latest Tarantino, we both felt that this film it let a little bit more personal emotion in especially yeah. in terms of the relationship between uh, Kat and Sator, the husband and wife dynamic there and the little boy of course as well there was more sort of deep emotions running throughout
2: yeah i think uh, i mean nolan's always dealt with humanity very well i always felt um, even in something like interstellar there's a great humanity to what he does but it's usually a more larger spectrum thing um and not so much about uh, the uh, the personal relationships as much i always feel yeah, I always um, find it's, a more,
0: it's, it's a more scientific humanity
2: Yeah. Even though he
0: he doesn't, you know... Sorry, go on.
2: Yeah, just saying that this has got... a bit more to it in that way and it really impressed me that he went down this angle of the kind of domestic abuse kind of storyline yeah. between uh, them. Because um, yeah. one it's something that's not uh, touched on as much in, in big uh, cinema and stuff in big pieces yeah. like this um, yeah. and it's for for him as a storyteller I think it was a really different story and a really engaging story you know. Um, well if you think that, about it in Inception really worked.
0: Um, Cobb and Mal have got this it's a deeply loving relationship, but it's fundamentally flawed in that they get lost in that that uh, dream world. Sure, uh, and then the relationship crumbles and breaks down and, and ends in tragedy. Whereas in this one, the the like you said, it's domestic abuse in a in a sense. It's like I said, he what he did with having that uh, Sator as a sort of Russian oligarch bad guy is he made it quite uh, quite real, quite plausible, quite Realistic in that sense. For all the other elements of the film that are completely unrealistic and and science fiction, that that rooting of that was quite a, a realistic element. And then to have that angle of him being abusive and and her being, it's like the old Bond trope, isn't it? They're always tied to the villain for some. They've got some sort of dirt on them that you know means that they're uh, at the beck and will of the villain for some reason. And of course, in this case, the added investment of of having the child as a pawn in the game made it all the more emotional in that sense and i I thought that was an interesting area for him to move into and to explore because it was quite powerful some of that stuff you really felt for elizabeth to character there because she was she was caught between a rock and a hard place like the most powerful evil villain on earth is also the father of her child how do you get away from someone like that? How would you escape from someone like that, you know?
2: Well, that, that's exactly it. But the, the the kind of... I always think with Nolan, and obviously it's, it's, it's a more of a personal story going on here, but um, what is I say, he, he always does humanity quite well. And I think that really helps when you're doing a high-concept idea, you know, and playing with time and dreams and memories and all these kind of different things, that you need that grounding somewhere that you can believe it, because it helps sell the rest of the idea. You know, mm. if it was just the gobbledygook, you you, mm. you you might not buy into it as much, but it's clever enough to ground it in something where you can go, well, that's I exactly get everything what, else.
0: That's exactly you know? what he did to Batman. That's, ex- yeah. that's a, a great description for what he did there, you know, because as we've, we've gone over this before, but, you know, the most wild idea, put it in a sort of realistic uh Universe with a lot of uh, versimilitude, and it works so much better, especially in modern times. Because, but having said that, just out on a bit of a tangent here, when we seen that teaser trailer for Dune, I, I was elated. I couldn't believe yes. it, and that is completely, you know, out of the mind of a, you know, a crazy author, you know, the Frank Herbert Bucks and stuff. Uh, but God, that that trailer for that really give me a buzz. I can't wait to see more from the, more of that.
2: Oh yeah, it's a real kind of big bonkers, bonkers, you know, uh, future uh, sci-fi film that uh, I think has finally been given the deserved treatment. Uh, I reckon so. Uh, at, I reckon at this so level, obviously,
0: you know. we'll cover that when it, when <laughs> uh, as and when it comes up. Uh, that's one to watch out for, isn't it?
1: One of these bullets is like us, travelling forwards through time
0: the other one's going backwards can you tell which is which how about now i have a feeling a lot of these films that are now getting just getting released on while we're still in the midst of this pandemic i feel like in the future they will get re-releases when things get a bit safer and, and the threat of the pandemic is lessened and we go back to a world where we can mingle a lot easier again, I think this a lot of stuff from this period in time will, especially things like films and that, they'll get re-releases in the cinema because people will take that opportunity to go and see them, especially some of the bigger films like this, like Dune that's due to come out, like Bond that's due to come out. They won't have the numbers that they usually would have, no matter what. Because the cinemas, you can only fill the cinemas up half as much anyway, and yeah. you know, there's just no way to, to to make the sort of money they would usually. So, you might find that that a lot of this stuff in the future will have a re-release. So, I wouldn't worry too much if you don't get to see it on the big screen at the moment. It is. A, I agree. I think
2: it might it might have a a, a re-release next summer, maybe.
0: It's definitely so good enough like as well. It's that kind of film that it's not going to bomb. People seem to no. be loving it. We loved it, and we, we would say if we thought it was Cack, if we thought he'd, he'd dropped it and done it in the film, then we'd say,
2: yeah.
0: no, it, this is a filmmaker at the height of his powers here.
2: Absolutely. I, I,
0: I've enjoyed this one uh, more so than the last two. I really did enjoy Dunkirk. Um, I didn't see that on the big screen, to be honest. There, there's a an admission there i i did enjoy interstellar not <laughs> amazingly so but i did enjoy it we went to see that uh on the big screen i remember but um but this is the best film he's done in a while for me it's the best film he's done since inception and that was
2: yeah I, I i think i agree. i mean obviously i'm a i'm a huge fan and i i um i, um, I adore all of his films actually so far um but this is definitely do, the best Yeah, inception. I do too.
0: But you, you still got to, you got to put them in some sort of placement in your mind. And for me, the last yeah. couple, uh, like I say, Dunkirk, uh, Interstellar, great films. But you know, even Dark Knight Rises, I, I didn't, I enjoyed it, but it, it wasn't as good as the Dark Knight. Um, so for me, this is the best one since Inception. This is what he does best. This is a Christopher Nolan film. You know, I mean, it sounds like you know. I don't want it to sound like I didn't like his other films because I do. But I think, you know, you're gonna just. It's subjective, isn't it? You're gonna enjoy some stuff more than others. Oh, absolutely. This 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 was cool. This was a cool film. Really rocks. Everything about it. Perfect casting. Some of talk about IMAX. Some of those vistas when the yachts in those those beautiful bays and the boats, the speed boats are going around. That reminded me of just like, wow, look at that shot. And you knew it was an actual location with an actual boat, you know, and an actual yacht. And it just looked gorgeous to see those kind of shots on the big screen. And and of course the end the end uh, set piece as well that big battle that reminded that me of something stunning. like it, like Starship Troopers or I was like thinking Planet that, of the Starship Apes Troopers or, some, yeah. or something from the seventies it was quite cool in that sense it was like whoa what's going on here this is
2: uh, it's a bit different from what else. you usually get nowadays I felt yeah um, it is yeah and it's and it's look and feel it reminded me actually of uh, Tiberian Sun uh, the game from the nineties but um, there we go
0: yeah
2: it's. Uh, it, yeah, it was really cool. Like the whole kind of, and the different visuals throughout as well, and the fact you know he flew a seven four seven into a warehouse so is just.
0: Oh, we didn't even cool, talk about so. that. That was un- an incredible piece. That was, that was just oh, just you just soaking it in when you're watching it. Your eyes are drinking in the picture. It's just like whoa, because it is yeah, a full size we- plane. Into a full-size building. You know, it's done for real, folks. It's like, oh, my God.
2: And now we know where the 200 million budget went.
0: <laughs> but, you know, if that's what you're going to spend it on, that's money well spent. That's it. It a, is. What a spectacle. What a thing to witness. It's With like, With every whoa, penny. Definitely, uh I mean, reminded
2: know. me of him when he blew the the hospital up for for the Dark Knight, you know, doing it for real. And it's just like you can't get yeah. better than just doing it, you know, and it's sure, like,
1: wow. Sure.
0: But yeah, um Himesh Patel was very good in that scene as well as the kind of fixer, you know, the g- yes, man who can. Uh, it was ace to see him in it. I thought he played a really good role.
2: Lovely role. I loved him in uh, yesterday. And uh, oh, he's great, isn't he? Yeah. A, a Lovely little role for him there. And he, uh, he he's, was he's definitely the best really dressed
0: character in this film, apart from of <laughs> course Elizabeth Debicki, who was just dressed in the greatest clothes ever created, and she wore them so well. But he had such style. You know that sort of seventies shirt and the <laughs> the leather jacket and everything. I thought, what a dude! This guy is such a dude. But yeah, what a what a cast! Brilliant.
2: Amazing cast, amazing sound, you know, amazing cinematography. It's like a really fascinating plot. It's it is again what what we know and love about Nolan and, and these kind of films really. It's just so many superlatives you could throw at it. It's uh, well, there was one
0: of the there was one um, criticism we were talking about that somebody had said about um, the sound design being a little bit um, crushing some of the dialogue out distorting some of it and you couldn't make out everything and there was one instance for me at the very start where they said something and I couldn't quite hear it because the explosions and everything that were going on in the background the gunfire was so loud I just didn't quite make out what they said but as far as I can remember for the rest of the film I didn't have that problem I felt like I could you know I could hear everything else so I didn't I don't really
2: you know? No, and I, I mean there's moments where it kind of it's hard to understand but it's deliberate like with the reverse speech in the um the sequence where there but you know the two windows and he's got you he obviously Yeah, but there's the, there's or, a
0: difference between um, not being able to hear it and not being able to understand it and I could still yeah. hear all that stuff.
2: You know. Um, I I, I thought the sound stuff. design was right. I think the only thing as we had a discussion about it was perhaps too loud. And, and maybe it was the cinema screen itself, but yeah. just well, that, at will, that will that will be the particular
0: theatre that we were in, just having it at that certain level. I mean, it is just it, that one, one notch or so too loud. It's like they've got Nigel Tufnell's guitar amp, they turn it all the way up to 11, <laughs> and it, it would be totally fine to watch it at 9. You know, 9 yeah. is enough, guys. 10's there but, if you need it. 11's for crazy people, and that was an 11. And he just... You just do think, God, this is this is super loud.
2: But not in a doing, way, that's not, first... not doing your
0: eardrums any good at that volume. You know
2: what I mean? <laughs> no, but that, uh, in a way, that first opera scene, obviously, which was probably the loudest part of the film, it felt like you were there. Like the whole uh, thing was was quite an aura, you know, oral. I think experience, so, but really. I don't.
0: I don't think that's a result of volume. I think they could still achieve that effect just a couple of notches down. Yeah, yeah. That may be because we're you know we're we'll getting to that age where we're like, oh, turn it down, it's too bloody loud. <laughs> but I just think it was just that one one or two notches too loud and it still would have been very loud a couple of notches down. But anyway, it's a minor criticism. We got through it. We're, we're, we're slightly deaf on one side now, but otherwise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Worth every penny.
0: So there we go. There's another, another film, Bites the Dust, on the Cinema Plus podcast. Let me know. What you thought of this film with marks out of 10, Dave Roberts?
2: Well, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because obviously it's early days for for giving ratings usually. Um, I always like to watch it a few times for for things and let it soak in. But if I was to say initial reaction, my initial gut reaction, um, I actually probably think this is a 10.
0: Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Jeez. I mean, that's like I, saying you know.
2: I think it'll buffer between it? nine and ten for me. Well, uh, I agree with
0: that side of it, but I've given it an eight with the option to go up to a nine. So I really, we've swapped round really because you've gone in full bullet guns blazing with the ten, and I've been more reserved and said, "Oh, it's an 8. because I gave Inception <laughs> a nine, which is a very, very, very high score because I hardly give anything a ten. And I've so I've settled on an eight for this with wanting to see it more times and it probably will go up to a nine at some point but it's it's certainly up eight is an amazing score anyway as far as i'm concerned a mm. very solid film something very watchable something you'll return to something you won't regret having gone seen if you uh enjoy these kind of films these sort of actioners these big budget things with uh or you enjoy chris nolan's films you're gonna love it you know I mean, just tweeting about it today on, on our Twitter, you can just see a load of fans of Robert Pattinson just loving it <laughs> just because Robert Pattinson's in it. So there's, there's star power attached to it. For me, John David Washington was outstanding, and I want to see a lot more from this guy. He's so a very, very cool leading man, and uh, he's got a lot of talent, and he's got a, a, a great way about him, a very cool and – sophisticated way about him that's very watchable he's got a great presence so Absolutely. Look, looking forward to seeing more from him and Pattinson's on fire he's in the new Batman we're going to be seeing loads from him
2: yeah it seems like they're both got like the, they're on the rise so this is kind of like a perfect film for them as the stock same with on, Elizabeth, the, on
0: the up. Elizabeth Debicki she hasn't done a hell of a lot I one thing I found out about her that I didn't realise is that she's Australian so she did an excellent British accent
2: Oh wow! Yes,
0: because uh, she didn't drop that once. I didn't get a hint of Australian once.
2: No, not at all.
0: It was uh, she came across as the quintessential English rose.
2: I think I, I came out of the film with with two feelings really. One, damn, I need to watch this a few more times. Uh, of course, uh, you know it's going to be exciting. And I mean, the most second... films
0: are like that. Even if you got everything, you still want to see everything again. You know.
2: Um, and, and the second thing i felt was i really can't wait to see what he's got next because i feel like he's really hit in the height of his power really um he's got he's going
0: just do something completely different again and you know yeah try, absolutely. Try some other things and then come back to time again and in, in the future but you know he, he's he's a great he's a great film director he's 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 a he's a great everyman in a lot of ways because he's not too he's not dumb he's and he's not too he doesn't try to be too clever he's a very clever guy but I don't think he tries to be too clever he he kind of this is why they love him this is why they let him do whatever he wants to do and they throw all this money at him because he always comes in ahead of time he always comes in under budget or or just with the budget you know so he's a very economical and um, clever manager of films in that sense as a director but you know He's just, he's, he's, he serves everyone in a sense. And some yeah. people hate directors like that. They hate Some people hate Spielberg. He, he's always served the middleman, being idealistic. Obviously, very different kind of filmmaker uh, in terms of their subject matter and, and their style. But sure. similar in that way that they are big budget and they are designed for a wide variety of audience. So, but
2: yeah. I just think like he's hit, hitting the height of his uh, kind of peak. He's, he's definitely peak. at the zenith. Yeah, and, and I, I think uh, obviously he's allowed at this point, he's got so much stock to have do whatever he wants with as much money as he wants. Mm-hmm. He's got that much uh, stroke now. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what he com- comes up with next. And hopefully it is, as you say, something completely different and unique, which is very much his style to do something new.
0: Well, that's a wrap on this week's episode. Thanks very much for tuning in, and we hope you can join us again soon for another episode of the Cinema Plus podcast. In the meantime, be sure to visit moremovies.co.uk and read our thoughts on the latest releases or retro reviews of some classic cinema, and we've got some movie trivia articles for fun film factoids. Come and say hello on Twitter at MoreMovies4 and join us on Facebook. Until next time, adios muchachos.